Hello everybody, welcome to episode 3, I believe, of Cage Fight, uh, my favourite Nicolas Cage-based podcast, and I'm sure your favourite Nicolas Cage-based podcast. My name is Gregory Aikman, I am here with... Thomas Beeman, the other person on this only other Cage-based podcast (laughs) in existence, we promise. Yeah, definitely. Now, right, would you mind telling the people, Thomas, what we are doing? So, in Cage Fights, we are taking two... Cage movies, and we're pitting them against each other because that's what Cage would want. <laughs> he would because he's a very violent man. Like not in real life, I imagine. Who knows? We don't know him in real life, which I want to come to. I think this is very important because, right, we have been told right that there's at least five other podcasts doing the same thing that we're doing, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. That there's there's two with the exact same name that we've got. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, but it's all right, because Cage Fight Podcast stopped in 2016, and they only had two episodes, so they're losers, and they're out of the game, so don't care oh, about yeah, them. yeah, fuck those guys, for sure. And Cage Slash Fight, their last episode that I saw they uploaded was in 2021. They did 40 episodes. I reckon they're probably out of it, and I checked their Patreon, because they arrogantly have one, but they only have seven patrons, so they're no worry. Uh, Late Night Cage Fight, however, is current. They are still releasing episodes and they are going through each cage film one at a time cage club has over 105 episodes they are currently going working through all the films but they only have two patrons currently so i reckon what we need to do we need to arrogantly keep the name so we're going against them we're gunning with the same idea with the same thing but how are we thomas how are we going to stand out from them we're going to stand out because we're incredibly charming people Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage loves us. He does. Not the other ones. Exactly. So I reckon we need to get hold of him. We need to get hold of Nicolas yes. Cage. And we need to get him to do a chat with us. And also within the chat, like talking about his favorite films and whatever, you know, all that nonsense that the good people listening will enjoy. Also, we need to get him to publicly denounce <laughs> <laughs> or just upright support. Support this podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, not necessarily throw hate at other people, but throw love no. at us. Yeah, we need to get him to support us. So we know we- that Nicholas Cage's his love is eternal and unconditional for everyone, but some of us. <laughs> you know have better podcasts than the other ones so we're going to as well as going through the films and we'll come to that in just a second but i think it's important that as well in each episode we are going to trace and track our attempts our successes and our failures but our attempts to locate nicholas cage and get him to actually be our mate actually be our friend actually join us because we can do it because stupid things happen and the, All the time. The yeah. thing we've got that these other podcasts haven't is an unnecessary amount of tenacity. I, I have got a confidence that I have not acquired through, like, skill or earning it or anything like that. I've just got this, the blind optimism and confidence of an average white man. Yes, of a guy who is incredibly intoxicated. Yes, yeah. 
yeah, that that's it. I drink heavily from from the font of Cage, and I want. And let to... me tell you what a sweet drink it is. Oh Jesus! It's it, it is like all the ambrosia rice pudding and all of that. Just all the yum, 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 yum. it's delicious. <laughs> films is the uh, real reason we're here. What films are we doing today? So today we are doing the trust, mm-hmm. and we're doing racing with the moon. Yeah. What a weird title. I don't see its reflection on the film, but it's a title. Let's jump straight into Racing with the Moon. Because I get I get the racing. I get the racing because that's a big component of the film. But the moon, other than sort of like maybe the moon... Anyway, right, uh, go through. If, if you had to summarize the plot just in a few minutes, go through it. Let's, let's sure. see. So Racing with the Moon... Is a movie set around Christmas time, 1942. Mm. And it's about a character named Henry, played by Sean Penn, who is a 17 year old student, bowling alley operator, pool shark pianist, who's also <laughs> about to become a Marine. <laughs> he has two uh, main relationships that the film focuses on uh, one with Nikki, played by Nicolas Cage who is a childhood friend who constantly gets him into trouble, talks him into all kinds of shenanigans. And then Kate, who's played by uh, Elizabeth McGovern, uh, who is his love interest that he develops a relationship with over the course of the movie. Mm. And this movie is really about uh, Henry is about to go to war. He's worried about it. So he's trying to find love. I don't even know that's his objective, uh, really, at the start of the film. Yeah. He gets convinced into wanting to show interest in girls by Nikki. He develops, like, this infatuation with a woman that he's never seen before. And it's small-town America type mm. stuff, so she's new to the to the town. And I think it goes without saying, I don't think it's a controversial opinion to say she is fit as well. Like, it... It makes sense if you're going to be infatuated with a newcomer. She's she's an objectively attractive person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every interaction that uh, all of the characters have with her, she's incredible. She comes across as smart, intelligent, yeah. and other words which mean the same thing. But a nice person. Yeah. Overall, this is like the girl people are meant to want, right? Yeah. And that that's basically the film. I mean, there are things that occur within it, but a lot of it is... The interaction between him and Nick. Mm. Nick gets him into trouble. Nick talks him into some bullshit. Yeah, it's just two dudes killing time before they go off to war, isn't it? Really? Yeah, like, yeah basically, yeah. Because the title, the racing, that presumably they shoehorn in clumsily, is mm. that Sean Penn and Nicolas Cage used to race trains when they were, a chi- when they were children, and yeah. they do it at the end of the movie as well, like as a sort of cyclical uh, thing. But um, mm. to the moon... Are trains moons? Like, what, where does the moon come in? I think the moon is just, like, racing to your destination or your ambition or something like that. To Maybe, like, maybe the moon represents the passing of time and they're racing to the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or maybe the moon represents banging the librarian... Because we get to see a young Sean Penn sex scene, which, um, I mean, it's... This is a film from 84, isn't it? So it's exactly what you imagine from an 84 sex scene film. Yeah, you don't... You see a a lot of uh, boob, and then that's it. In fact, these films have a lot of... These 
two films are very similar in my opinion because they were both surprising yes in their content and they both had boobs in them they did they did although yeah. like although the trust opens with boob it does so yeah we'll get to that part so the walk of the film is he's interested in this woman mm. kate or this girl really they are assumingly all underage around the age of like 17 ish he falls in love with her he does some shenanigans he gets to know her gets, it gets kind of stalkery at the start it's a little problematic yeah. but moving forward nick has a girlfriend he fools around with her and then you know things happen but it get like the actual plot of the movie picks back up much later on when nick finds out that the lady he slept with is pregnant and now they need to get an abortion, which is <laughs> which I sw- not, did not see that coming. I swear they they added the abortion thing in it's just so we can go all like the hustler and have a ten minute pool shark scene. Like that's that seems to be the only reason because it doesn't really drive the the plot. I mean, it's it's, it's it, a- it creates tension between the characters. Yeah, but you don't need to create tension. Like I I don't know. I, I don't would know. I would argue if the film didn't do this, hmm. then the film would just be a continuous almost two hour meet cute until he goes and leaves for war i would love that i don't <laughs> you know the standard like beginning of the third act some sort of conflict comes up and so like yeah. actually everything was going really well but we've got like 30 minutes and we've got to wrap it up so we need a conflict and get over it quickly yeah. i hate that bit in almost every single movie if they just get rid of that final conflict so you've got you've got your setup your equilibrium your disruption your recognition your reparation and if that just lasted right to the end i would bloody love that but they always have to throw in this other spanner in that works with the storyline i gets a he gets her pregnant they need to get an abortion i don't see why they couldn't have had okay well we'll um get the money look we got the money through amusing means got the abortion everyone's fine everyone's happy and healthy there's no need for conflict there i mean it does teach us the valuable lesson that if you want to shout at the woman you're seeing and grab her forcefully if you want to make her be happy with you again just buy her some shoes and fuck off to war that's (laughs) yeah the there's a lot of like women grabbing in this film i say a lot there's like a few instances of women grabbing in this film very yes. upsetting stuff to see but it's not portrayed as a weird thing is it it's just portrayed as no it's like, just how that's that, how men do that's what men do that's you, the interaction like, yeah men, women show their emotions by crying men show their emotions by shouting and grabbing like that yeah. seems to be very much the point of this because it, it's well it's a war film isn't it it's very much in the same vein as like hope and glory and films like that where it's just a weird little movie because it's essentially yeah. just going like here's a snapshot of a time when people were just waiting for the next thing it's yeah. so I, I think that's quite it exciting. does hit upon a few times during the film mm. like the actually opposite opinions of just pure war propaganda Mm. because characters will openly stay like oh wow you uh you listen to too much radio if you think really that's what's going on over there and and kate even brings hopper to the hospital to show him all the injured soldiers because she doesn't yeah. think she's, he's really taking it seriously so there's a, a few snippets even like the mother doesn't isn't interested but that's for more novel well i wouldn't say novel it's for more regular reasons mm. um so there is a bit of a voice in the film that's like war, not the best thing ever. But yeah, it's still very like bog standard. Like here's 
the small town America back in the day, and there's a war happening. There's some smashing little throwaway lines in it, which are like all that funky fifties, uh, not fifties, like funky like thirties, early forties, like jive talk and all that stuff. Like I ain't, I ain't gonna be a sap to no skirt. And you're chasing up the wrong gams. Like yeah. I, I really enjoy those sorts of bits of yeah. bits of dialogue. I really, I really, I would love to speak like that. But I'm perfectly aware just how abrasive it would sound coming from my face. <laughs> but a lot of questions I think I would have if I heard you start. Are you feeling okay? I mean, I'm definitely going to start referring to all women as skirts. That's. Oof. I I don't see any any way that could be irritating to anyone. No, women love it. Are you kidding me? And they love getting grabbed. Yep, definitely. And legs, gams, definitely going to be calling. Legs I'm gams. behind gams. Yeah. I'm strictly behind gams. I think that should come back. Yeah. And also, I I hope we'll find this in. Hang on. Sorry, there was a motorbike went past. I'll do that. How again. dare you, motorbike? We're I know. doing a podcast. Jesus, motorbike. Like, I know you're very hip and cool, chasing... Pro- probably you've got some good gams on the back of your bike, and you're off down the pool hall to... To hawks... I don't know. <laughs> to sharks and pool. That's it. That's what you do. How does he not know that at least the second best cage-related <laughs> podcast is being done right now? Exactly. Sweet Jesus. This is the second of the films that we've seen so far... Where Nicolas Cage sings. That's true. He sings while cleaning up the bowling alley mm. a little later in the film. What was the song? Do you remember the song? I can't remember the song. Well, it's, yeah, I it's think some 1940s thing. Yeah, I think I just don't know it rather than... I, I I didn't know it and then I forgot it. I was unaware of it. But he was singing again with his real Cage voice, sounding quite good. Because yes, the man can yeah. sing. I guess he can, yeah. That's a... Oh, that's a surprise. We need to keep track of these mm. these tracks. Oh, definitely, definitely. These are the sort of things that will set us apart from all those other Nick Cage-based exactly. podcasts. Uh, also, you uh, grew up in America and still currently live in America, right? Both things are true. Bowling alleys, when did they <laughs> stop having humans stack up the pins? Oh, is that something which which stopped decades ago, or is that has that been in Long your time lifetime? Ago. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, the machinery invented for that was probably sometime in the sixties. It's it was a while ago. Because I miss. Well, I mean, I've never had it. I'm nostalgic for something I've never experienced. Watching that film, I really want a bowling alley where there's a human setting the pins at the end. <laughs> Because, wow. And did, Interesting. Did you notice the rare sight of who was bowling those pins and who got punched by Nick Cage? I did. I don't remember his name. Crispin Glover. Actor, Crispin Chris- Glover. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, this is Crispin Glover, mm. the guy. And is this like, he wasn't even, I don't even think he's listed on the IMDb. I don't film, think is he, he is, no. But Crispin Glover, because outside of watching Nicolas Cage films, I'm currently working through all the Friday the 13th movies, and um, Crispin Glover po- turns up in one of those as well. So he's just turning everywhere. up in the 80s. He was all over the shop. Yeah. Crispin Glover is everywhere. Because what, what happened to him? Like, I, I think lots of legal issues happened to him. But... <laughs> yeah, some, some stuff went down around him, but, but yeah, he, it's, it's insane. 
It's great. And seeing Crispin Glover get into a fist fight with Nicolas Cage, it just makes sense. It just mm. looks like the world is in its right sphere when that goes on. Absolutely, yeah. Seeing Hopper deck him was, uh, <laughs> was very satisfying. And some casu- casual groping going on immediately after mm. that, because Nick Cage yep. is cleaning, like, the Crispin Glover's, presumably Christian, Crispin Glover's girlfriend in the film, gets blood on her blouse, so yeah. Nick Cage is trying to clean it off, but just groping. Absolutely. You know, every opportunity mm. is, is really what it's about. But also, in America, is this some? Is this just a 40s thing or is this still not? Roller skate rinks. Mm. Yeah. Is that is that real? Is that a thing still? And if so, oh. does it look just like that? Okay. Yes and no. They Roller skates rings like are still kind of popular with uh, kids. At least they were around where I was born mm. people still want to go out to them and people still smoke and you know get onto stuff they probably shouldn't yeah even to this day i think <laughs> and they don't look like that anymore thank god but they have a, they have a lot more padding on the sides and stuff <laughs> uh but yeah for some reason bowling and roller skating like they're just synonymous they we always mm. have bowling alleys and skating rings next to each other nice because i I love a bowling alley like i'm a a huge fan of uh, bowling awful at it don't don't mistake enthusiasm for talent (laughs) like i i'm awful at it but i but i love it i've never been i've never had my feet inside roller skates and uh, as a as a consequence i've never been to a roller skate rink i'd love to i imagine i'd break my ankles instantly but it just looks so wholesome. Yeah, it's a very fun experience. Like, yeah, it's weird to hear from me my point because everyone I know bowls and skates. Right. Uh, it's just like a part of growing up. Which makes perfect sense. I mean, if if those are around you, why on earth would you not while you're growing up? But is another thing where this film kept on making me feel nostalgic for experiences I've never had. This whole film is very nostalgic about everything 1940s like the whole placing a penny on a train track and having it run it over and then you yeah. get the penny like man i've done i've done that before for sure really i'd love yeah, to have man. a go on that i don't know whether you could still well you probably still can um no one died in the film i was expecting i uh, to be honest one I was, person died in the film oh yeah yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> just to be just to be <laughs> Yeah, I forget the whole One thing. One person died in the film. Sean Penn's dad is a grave digger. That is his profession in this. Yes, he do- he does the grave digging. He's very proud of it. Mm. Well, you would be. You would be. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's fun watching a film that involves a grave digger that isn't a horror film. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. It's kind of like, he's he's a very comforting character, too. Yeah. To see him take care of the the place and, and Sean going to help him. First of all, so they light a bunch of coals on fire to put over uh, the spot they want to dig up. Never thought that was a thing. That's fucking genius. I'm glad I got to look into that. It's incredible. Like it, it's never. If you would have asked me to uh, dig yeah. into the ground during during the winter, I I would never have thought like, oh, you got to heat it up first. Fucking. Of course stuff. not. Like these these guys are professionals, but yeah. It was charming, but it it was weird. I've never seen a film where heart-to-heart moments not about death are happening in a graveyard. But it was really sweet and calming things, you're right. Like, just him and his dad, who clearly have a lovely relationship. Like, his yeah, dad, I don't 
think there was one moment in the film where Sean Penn's dad was um, unpleasant or uh, or alarming in any way or any like even when you judge different people by our standards and all of that stuff none of that was going on he just seemed to be a nice guy who did all this like oh look after your mother and all that stuff yeah i enjoyed the film to be honest what did you think yeah honestly i really enjoyed the film again it was very surprising not just because the abortion came out of nowhere but Mm. i didn't really expect much i'm typically very like a breaks up against nostalgia bait yeah. Especially like Americana stuff. But I, I really enjoyed like watching the characters and it was very enjoyable to see. Solid movie. I'll tell you what, the trust has got a lot to live up to if it stands a chance of beating this one. So yeah, let's let's hear about the trust, because out of everything that we have on our list to watch, yep. this one I did not see coming at all. I thought this would be boring, rubbish, straight to video bullshit. It's 2016, so we're in the lull. We're in his, like, yeah, shitty we're period. we're in the valley. And it's out of no... I, I didn't even know that Frodo did films other than Lord of the Rings. Um, really? Yeah. You know what? You know, Elijah Wood is really big into horror movies. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, he loves horror movies, and he's done quite a few of them since. Oh wow! I I just I've, I have other than the Lord of the Rings films, I've paid no attention to his career, and maybe I should because he's blood. He's he's a lot of fun in this one, but mm, yes. the Trust, a 2016 film, it's essentially a heist movie. So two cops who work in like the evidence collection and evidence tracking and organising department. A really dull, admin-heavy part of the police, which is a really fun look, which I don't think I've ever seen main characters do that in a movie before. Loved it. They just get an idea to go sort of rob this place, which looks like it's got a really hardcore safe, which therefore implies that there's a lot of money there they set it up they get they get the tools wonderfully they order a drill from germany and the people selling the 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 drill go these people are acting shifty yeah they're probably bank robbers so cool (laughs) which i really enjoyed they break into it once they break into it they find out that it's more uh, it's just a shitload of diamonds which is more hardcore than they anticipated so then we get the point of the title of the film where the two characters who were portrayed as friends up to this point start doubting each other and like oh did the did nick cage's character know more than he let on can i trust him what's going on everything seems to be going wrong and there are surprises left right and center and then and the film ends without answering these questions the film doesn't let you know obviously everything goes wrong obviously all characters end up dead at the end the film never answers those questions of was nick cage's character like truly friends with elijah wood or was he using him or what it hints towards both of those things but it doesn't definitively answer it or if it did i missed it because i'm rubbish at watching films (laughs) yeah i think i think there was some allusions to uh the trust being real I mean that, yeah, because like in his towards towards the end, Nicolas Cage's th- character is just going like, "Look, I'm an optimist, and to prove how optimistic I am, I've got two tickets to the Bahamas in our pocket, in my pocket. That once we do this heist, we're gonna go there." And then after his character gets killed by Elijah Wood, you find that those tickets are in his pocket, which I believe is the illusion you're referring to that 
the trust should have been there all along. So, first of all, I, at the start of this film, mm. there's some good character moments about how Elijah Wood's character is just kind of actually, he's actually like a very uncop sort of guy, right? He He's uh, having sex with prostitutes. Yeah. He's doing drugs. Yeah. You know, it's very clear that on the onset that he really doesn't take the law seriously, even though he works uh, for the police force. And then on the opposite train of that, Nicolas Cage's character, which, by the way, do you know the names of these characters? I uh, forget the names of the okay. characters. Let's, let's... This is good. I'm glad because Nick's, Sto- Nick's character is called Stone and Elijah's called Water. So it's two cops named Stone and Waters. Okay. Fucking, it's, it's classic buddy yeah. cop names. Yeah. It's amazing. Nicholas Cage's character is like really by the books mm. in a lot of ways and very straightforward. And as this film progresses, firstly, I, th- I thought the whole point of this, of them tracking down like where the money's going through them, because they launder it through like a hotel of some sort. And then it ends up into this one building where they lock it, what, behind what seemingly is a freezer at the time. Yeah. I thought they were trying to do this to make, like, the bust, you know? Mm. Like, Nicolas Cage wants to move up and be a, a more legitimate uh, police officer. Yeah. And, or detective. And yet, that's not what that's not what happens. Like, And the, these were things that I couldn't decide whether these were exciting moments or just too jarring. Because I could... The film didn't seem to know exactly where it wanted to be, and it skirted around the edge of lots of different things, because, like like you say, I thought it was going to be a good cop, bad cop thing, mm. with uh, Elijah Wood being bad naughty, Nick Cage yeah. being goody-goody. But just seemed to... Nick Cage shifting, it took me a few minutes going like, it, oh, did I miss something? I had to go yeah. back a bit and go, did I miss... Okay, no, I didn't you. miss anything. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> thank you. I was like, hold on, wait. Something's happening here. I think the film purposely obfuscates, yeah. like what they want to what they want to accomplish with this setup, just so we can have those two roles reverse themselves slowly mm. into the heist. But then this is like it's like a bad twist because to do that to do a twist well once you see the twist you go oh wow that i didn't see that coming but now i've seen that that happens there's no other conclusion that could have happened like so once the once we learn nick cage's true sort of character we should have been thinking oh yeah of course yeah that makes sense but it didn't make sense it felt like two different characters slammed oh, together really? or to me like maybe okay maybe i'm just being a bit rubbishy here's 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 what i want to say about that yeah is that i think truly i think if we went back and watched this film you would actually see the little hints mm. in nick's character that he wasn't actually trying to be an upstanding cop at any point in time right he's a jolly person as a whole because even after he shoot and kills people he's still very jolly and optimistic and a happy guy so he retains that feature but the motive is what the film purposely obfuscate just so we would think like we wouldn't really see this coming i feel like the follow-through is there because he is still very happy and a joyous person well, uh, even as he's committing crimes, I might have to try it again because I was, 
a part of the film which I enjoyed, but seemed a bit stifled. It didn't flow as smoothly as, I, as it should. It seemed to be wanting to be like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or some sort of like Tarantino-esque thing. Because the dialogue threw in lovely little throwaway bits of just fun and colour and lots of little bits of fla- flavour. Yeah. Um, but But they always seemed so forced. Like, um, when Elijah Wood at one point, his characters put a map of the place they're going to do the heist in on the floor with tape. And at one point, he's just going, that took me three hours to make. And it's like, oh, no, and you did a really good job, which should be a fun bit of levity and that. But it just seems tacked on, like, right, we've written the script. Yeah. Shit, we need to write some fun little bit. Okay, I've got a little two-liner thing. Throw that in there. They seemed shoehorned in all the time. And there were quite a few of these things. Like, at one point, Nick Cage's character is watching security footage with some some guy and they go like oh what's going on here oh is this that burger place yes have you tried that burger what's it called oh it's this one oh it's delicious haven't they changed the recipe which should be this throwaway thing which adds which builds up the characters makes them more three-dimensional but instead it just felt like oh forced. oh but they he did that on purpose the character did that on purpose just to obfuscate what they were looking for in the recording mm. so the other cop wouldn't be let in on the fact that they're going to do a heist but it's but it felt but it didn't feel forced it in a a useful way like this could all be down to me being rubbish at films it could easily be that but like because i know the director when when this film was originally shown at whatever festival it was the uh, the director had in his notes that he gave to all the journalists and that just the simple thing like the sentence to bear in mind throughout every frame of this movie is don't judge a book by its cover like the implication obviously being that every person in every situation is different to how it's given to you initially which does play out when they get into the room above the uh, vault that they're using to drill down to sort it all out and open it up to do the heist there's supposed to be a person there but it turns out it's a person and a woman now i did think that was heavy heavily signposted that of course that woman's going to end up not being just a, a civilian she's going to be in on right. the the gang and when she's going like oh can i please just call my ex because my three-year-old's on their own it's like well what kind of idiot is going to let her make this phone call? oh elijah wood that's who so i think the film purposely set this up so that it can be shown how everything before the heist elijah wood's character strongly believed that somehow Nick's character was going to fuck this up for him. Yeah. And he had put so much into this, he was incredibly worried and had a lot of anxiety about the job. And just to show, just to then flip that and show how Elijah had made a mistake nearly at every point through the film, or, or through the heist itself, so that he's the one that fucks it up. I think the whole thing is just like taking these two characters and then swapping them, having them like connect in the middle where the heist is happening and then swapping their roles pre-heist or post-heist sorry i think it was done in a way i i thought it was done really well i i thought that the the acting was excellent in Mm. that a lot of the characters stayed congruent and their changes were displayed like very well because you know we had nick right before the heist two scenes nick is going to buy guns and we're still sort of unsure at least i think we're still unsure of like what he plans to do and the type of character he is 
and he goes to buy a weapons. These guys drive out there, and he actually ends up shooting him. And it's planned. Yeah. He, he, it's planned that he was going to shoot this guy. And that includes some wonderful classic Cage-like ticks as well. Like, Cage is acting up a storm in that, where he's going like, Bobo, that name, it's, it's fun! Like, which, which is just... Yes, love it. Magnificent. He does... Cage does do incredible caging in this one he does he does great caging in this film mm. that's a part of why i love it so much and maybe i'm too high on the film but i'm willing to accept no that. no 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 i don't get me wrong i there are issues that i have with the film but like the my my base position is i loved it i thought it was brilliant i read a lot of reviews of people saying that it was dull it was boring it was listless i disagree with all of that I think it was a really... I saw the rating was like 5.4, and I was like, what the fuck? Did I see the same movie as these people? Yeah, I thought it was really fun. So we had the scene where he he shot the gun dealer. Yes. And then in in an opposite scene, uh, Elijah Wood's character is going to go get some money, and Mm. he does so by uh, asking like this bad cop to basically shake down some, I presume to be people who make heroin or whatever. Yeah. Um... And during that scene, we're showed a glimpse into Elijah, Elijah's character, who actually kind of like isn't that unlawful of a person, like mm. or that bad of a person, because he really he's really uncomfortable during this whole shakedown to go get additional money. And then that's that's when the swap happens, I think, in the right. film, and, and we start to like get a, a glare into how this heist is going to go down. Would that make that makes um, a lot more sense? Because because that character that Elijah Wood goes with to get the money, who has previously been introduced exclusively as just horrible through and through, like because mm. he does the Russian roulette trick, like just to mm. upset Elijah Wood, not to actually do anything. And it's that actor that you already don't like because you remember him from American History X, but yeah, like he he's he's terribly unpleasant, and Elijah Wood clearly doesn't want to harm anyone yeah. but very apprehensive yeah has to hurt these people to get the cool stuff from germany but it it is a lot of fun but i was trying to work out whose point of view are we watching the film from because mm, interesting for the most part we watch it from elijah wood's character's perspective yeah because you know that we're in the dark as the audience we're in the dark for a lot of it uh, and we're on the same page as Elijah Wood. However, we're shown him to be foolish with a couple of his choices and too trusting, but we're never let in on any character's motivations entirely. There, mm, there, yeah. Which I enjoyed. I thought that was lovely, but I didn't know, and you might be able to help me out here, because I didn't know whether that meant it was going essentially like, here are the cards you need to see, and the rest of it, it doesn't yes. matter. You'll be as confused as everyone else. Or maybe I, I just you. missed shit. <laughs> I I believe you're 100% correct, because there are small parts of this film, like glimpses into their lives about like a little bit of their motivations, because we throughout the film, Elijah's character, he's currently divorced. We're, we're yeah. led to believe, in my opinion, because he fiddles with his wedding ring too much, and he has his wife's stuff packed up. Yeah, and he uses uh, presumably her jumper to clean up cat shit, which is the ultimate divorce move. Yeah, <laughs> um, it would look like a nice dress too. So look lovely, look lovely. So I, 
I'm to assume, or I believe the film wants us to assume from that, that he is recently divorced and for whatever reason is using that as a motivator for this heist. Yeah. For Nicholas's character, I think the motivation was his father. If you're confused about his motivation, so am I, Mm. because I, I tried very much to pay attention to all the small things he did and it seemed like his father had some health issues because mm. he left behind multiple uh, walkers in weird directions. So maybe he has some sort of um, uh, what's the what's the old people think where people dementia? forget about d- dementia? Dementia. Yes. Which yes. ironically you could not quite grasp. <laughs> hey, now. Now we know where I'll be in <laughs> so, 40 years. Uh, and, and also, uh, of course, the biggest hint that his dad was ill, they're living together. Like, that's obviously... Yep. Um, so I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, you're you're right there. So, and his dad presumably used to be a policeman. I, I think that was... Yes, that's I, what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. It was a very enjoyable film, but... I And, and uh, you know, to show my show my hand early i'm hoping that the trust goes through over the racing to the moon even though i did thoroughly enjoy racing to the moon i think racing to the moon's a better film but i think the trust is a more exciting and interesting one the trust i think would work better as a one-act play like so imagine the two the two dudes planning the heist so they don't do the heist, but they plan the heist so you learn about their relationship, you learn about their uh, what's led them to this situation, and you can seed into it loads of information about uh, the potential things that will go wrong mm. and stuff like that. Maybe they've already acquired the drill and the guns by then, so they're worried about money and all of that stuff. I think that, as like a 60-minute one-act play, would be magnificent. Yeah, I... Uh, yes, I agree completely. I, I think there's a lot you can do in that planning stage yeah. to have uh, their motivations and characteristics be reflected. Yeah, just turn the trust into a sort of... Basically, I want the trust mixed with waiting for Godot. I want that. And <laughs> I mean, pretty much every you film... You should have that. Every film Gregory, I Gregory, I want you to have that. Thank you. I will. I will <laughs> give it a go. I will try and create this. Every film I watch, I tend to go... Now, if it was this, but with waiting for God, I mixed into it. That would be. Do you have like stage play sunglasses on while you watch these films? So you're like, I've got to. Everything's got to be a stage play. It'd be so much better. Pretty much every every film should be a play, and every play should be a musical. That's what a wonderful way to watch movies. Well, you can see where all the songs will be, and you can... Absolutely, yes. Like, imagine that that opening scene where Elijah Wood is running to work late and he's just been with the prostitute and uh, Nicholas Cage. Gregory, yep. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what <laughs> if that's what we do here in this podcast? We make a play for Nicholas Cage to be in. A stage play, a small, short stage play for him to act in. Because oh. he, we know he can sing, Gregory. We know he can Gregory. sing. We know he can sing. We will, This that's this whole point. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I am down for this. So, the play will essentially be a one-man, one-act show. And mm-hmm. it will, yes, it will take our favourite bits only from the winning films. There you go. They're, we're still true yep. to the premise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suck on that, all you other <laughs> shitty Nick Cage podcasts. Get fucked, guys. Pricks. 
But that that is an excellent that is an excellent plan. Excellent plan. If those people can do that song with Shia LaBeouf, why can't we do a bloody play with Nick Cage? Exactly. And we know he needs the money. <laughs> <laughs> so we have leverage. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I do think that Trust is a much more interesting film. It, it evolves into something that I very much enjoyed. Mm. And I do felt... I felt like I was being led through this in a way where I could pick up all the things to understand the changes and the character arcs. And then the way it ended was in a way that I can say it ended. It wasn't satisfactory because I don't think it was supposed to be satisfactory. Yeah. And yeah, this was a huge surprise to me. I quite adore this film, honestly. I I can't wait to get other people to watch it. And I'm super excited to watch it again because i missed loads like 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 we discussed earlier i didn't see the subtle shift and swap of the character arcs or the character positions but uh you've explained that to me so i will go away and i'll watch that again it was a fun film it was an exciting film i think there's uh, there's there's issues with it as there are with every film yes absolutely it was I I, w- I watched it the entire like hour and a half. I watched it with a massive grin on my face because I was so pleasantly surprised and I was just delighted. Same. And you want to know something else? Mm. It was it was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. He he Nicolas Cage that character in a such a pleasant and enjoyable yes. way. It wasn't it didn't feel like he was phoning it in. It really mm. felt like he was trying to be and do a little something there. Like he didn't he didn't go all out. He just just smoothly worked it in, and I loved it. And I tell you what, if you want to be charmed by this film even more, I would suggest you go and watch uh, any of the interviews that Elijah Wood gave about the film. Because Elijah Wood, just all he does in the interviews is go, I got to work with fucking Nick Cage. It was incredible. It was so much fun. And he just gushes about him. It's so sweet. I have a theory from watching of, of just the movie mm. that I believe that Elijah Woods like I think he brought some, he brought that out of Cage right yeah. I feel like that them two working together because he's he seems like such a genuine person mm. Elijah that he kind of brought a little bit of Cage back out and to work into this yes i wonder if they've worked i mean we'll find out but i wonder if they've worked together since or if there's any plans i I hope so i hope so i hope so because yeah abs so i think it's fair to say the winner the winner today is the trust absolutely great like genuinely a really fun film i really enjoyed it i will be watching it again tonight to be honest yeah i kind of want my wife to see it so we might watch it oh definitely and uh, i might Make my wife watch it as well. <laughs> you should. Yeah, you should. definitely. But yeah, we have got our winner. Our winner is the surprisingly spectacular The Trust from 2016. God speed you, Nick Cage, in all the wonderful ways. Also, what- God, God bless you. That's why we're doing this podcast for, in my opinion, yes. for not only to get to know Nick Cage and also write him up a play, but also see these films that i would not have watched and i would have not have had the pleasure to see exactly exactly so every single episode we are going to be going through 
another two films and no doubt unearthing some absolute masterpieces. We are going to try and work out different ways that we are going to beat all the other Nick Cage-based podcasts. We are going to try and get in contact with him and make him our best friend. And we are going to work on this music one-act, one-man musical <laughs> show that we're writing for him. There's a lot going on. This There's a lot to fulfill, and we will fulfill all of it, I swear to God. <laughs> There we go. That is it for another episode. Tom, tell the people what you got going on. Oh, I'm like him from Hot Wings. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, first of all, I have a Twitter and a Twitch. Good luck finding them. Uh, <laughs> in order, I will give you a hint. Uh, hot sauce on a lemon. That's it. That's all you get. God, have you tried that yet? No, I am too scared. <laughs> yeah, particularly as neither. I, I like that. Uh, <laughs> That sauce on a lemon. Is it good? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a great moment. Uh, anything to do with me go gregoraikman.org it's all it's all there it's uh it's quite straightforward it's just words and pictures and links to stuff well that's it thank you very much for joining us tell all the other shows that they're rubbish tell us that we're godlike review us give us star ratings do all that stuff because it helps with the almighty algorithm i've been told and also it helps our precious tiny vulnerable little egos amen What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole?